A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hey everyone, you're listening to Main Menu for the 16th of December 2016. I am your co-host Jason Castingway. This week we start out with Jeff Bishop as he interviews Neva Fairchild, National Independent Living Employment Specialist at the American Foundation for the Blind Center for Low Vision in Dallas, Texas. They were both involved in the Google Train the Training event. They talk a little about that and then get into the services that Esther's House provides at the Center for Low Vision. And then we find out Janine has done some shopping and she talks to us about all sorts of interesting Apple Watch fashion fresh for the holiday season. Enjoy the show, everyone. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Bishop for the Main Menu team here on ACB Radio. And I'm here today in Dallas, Texas, with Neva Fairchild. She's a National Independent Living Employment Specialist, right? Is that what her title is? Right. Great. Okay. Well, I'm here at the uh, Center for Low Vision here at the American Foundation for the Blind. And this has been quite a week, hasn't it? It has been a big week. Yeah. Well, we've been here at the Google Train the Trainer event, and I thought we would start with that first and then get into the services and, and things that you guys do here because on Tuesday, we had an opportunity to tour the center, and I thought it would be a really neat thing to talk about here on Main Menu. So let's start out with the, the Google Train the Trainer event. How did all of that get started? Well, our vice president, Paul Schrader, had a contact at Google that approached him about sharing accessibility of Android and Chromebook and Google Apps with people across the country who were trainers and could spread the word and get information to the people that need to know how to use these apps and these these products and to to learn more about their accessibility features because they're changing. They've come a long way in the last year or several years uh, and Google's excited and so were we and we wanted to bring that to people who could go out and help us spread the word. Yes, it was really exciting. Lots of people will know many of the names that were here. Roger Benz, who was at uh, ACB and also at the AFB Leadership Conference in Phoenix. And then Victor Seren, many will recognize that name at Google on Twitter. And then Laura was here uh, as well, and she handled the Chromebook uh, stuff. So we had a really, really good time. Uh, Three very, very full days of training and lots of learning. It was a tremendous opportunity, and, and I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity that was given to me to participate. So thank you very much for that. It was great to have everybody here. And, and I think it was a, a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity for uh, AFB and, and Google to partner to bring this information. I hope someday we get to do it again. Oh, I hope so. Uh, I hope I hope they do it more. I, I went out to dinner last night with Roger and I asked him if they were going to do more of these and he wasn't sure. But the training was outstanding. And I think that you know, there's it's a significant paradigm shift from the way that people use the web today. It's it's much more like a desktop application, and, and it's going to take some time for people to get used to that. So I think there's lots of opportunity for trainers to get out there and teach Google products. It's pretty exciting. I agree. Yeah. 
Well, so now you guys do a lot here at the center and we're here in an office actually, but uh, this is the home of Esther's place. And I thought we would start there talking about the vision of, of really what what you guys do here. Okay. So Jeff, you know that American Foundation for the Blind is almost a 100 year old organization, but some of your listeners may not realize the difference between AFB, ACB, and NFB. All those letters kind of sound the same. They right. share they share common letters. There's all Bs and there's As and there's Fs and there's, yeah. So <laughs> we are often confused with ACB and NFB, and yet we're so very different because we're a national nonprofit information resource clearinghouse. And here in Dallas, the information we focus on is related to independent living. And my role has recently added employment through my work on Career Connect, one of our websites through mm-hmm. the family of AFP websites. And it's it's an interesting shift in my role here because I started my career over 25 years ago as a vocational rehabilitation counselor. So employment has always been very important to me and helping people to realize their full potential is certainly one of the goals of American Foundation for the Blind. And oftentimes employment is that realization of your full potential. And so in my role here, focusing on independent living for eight years and now adding employment back in, I really have come to realize how critical independent living skills and tools are to the foundation on which employment skills are built. And if you think about it, if you don't have good, solid independent living skills, it's very difficult to work. Oh, absolutely. It's very difficult to set your alarm if you don't know how to use Mm -hmm. a talking alarm clock and you are responsible to get yourself up and, you know, your family members aren't responsible for that and you might be living alone. So, you know, and matching your clothes and fixing your meals and cleaning your home and, you know, all of those things are just so, they're integral to being uh, employed. And so I guess I'm on a mission to help vocational rehabilitation counselors uh, across the country to realize how important that is as well. So uh, it's kind of an interesting blend of the two uh, hats I've worn in my career. Absolutely. So here at the Center on Vision Loss, we focus on independent living by having an 1,800 square foot model home built within our office building. It's set up like an apartment or a home in a third of our building, basically. And we call it Esther's Place because a dear lady, Esther Smith, was important to the establishment of this demonstration model home. And Esther was kind of the inspiration and one of the the people who counseled and guided us in the beginning on the kinds of products that were important in her life. And the center was, was really created to help people new to vision loss, especially to realize what's possible. You know, AFB's mission is expanding possibilities. And so often people new to vision loss don't even realize that there are ways to continue to do the things they need and want to do, like read and use the computer and travel independently and cook and, uh, you know, maintain their own prescription medication regimen and, and those types of things. They don't think it's possible. They don't know that things exist to help them with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Esther really thought that 
we could make a difference is by having these things in a home-like setting. When you walk through Esther's place, it seems like you're in somebody's home, but nobody lives there. I wanted to move in when I uh, went to work here. <laughs> I thought the commute to work would be awesome, just walking across the building. But then I realized, oh, I'd have to keep the house so neat. That would never work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we have between twelve and 1,800 visitors to the center each year coming through Esther's place and taking individual or group tours where they get a hands-on demonstrational tour of the adaptations that we built into the environment, such as color contrast in the flooring and the trim around the doors. Um, The walls are white, the trim is dark brown, the doors are kind of a medium brown, and the handles on the doors are a dark brown. So there's good contrast for people with low vision to be able to see where is that handle, where is the edge of that door frame, so that they're not so likely to run into it or bump it with a shoulder or an elbow and and either injure themselves or knock something out of their hands. And those kinds of simple adaptations make a big difference for people with low vision. Texture changes in the flooring at Esther's Place demonstrate how important texture can be for someone who has no vision to be able to orient more easily. The hallways here have wooden insets wherever there's a junction or a transition point. And so when you're walking on wood instead of carpet, you know you're at a place where you need to make a decision. I can send somebody down this long hallway that you and I walk down, and without walking with them, I can say, go to the second piece of wood and turn right, and you'll be in the library. Yeah, you did that often, actually. Exactly. You told people how to navigate based on this this pattern of the of the flooring. It's like a it's like a map you can feel as you. It was really neat, actually. Yeah. Really, really neat way of of getting around. And okay, so I know one of your listeners, somebody out there, is thinking, "Well, that's nice. I'm not going to rip up my flooring and put." transition points. How can I use that in my life? Well, you have to watch for those changes in your world, okay? Yep, yep. And as you're uh, going into the shopping mall, it's a whole glass wall of windows, right? Yep. Where is that door? Well, I promise you there's a rug outside that door at 99% of stores that have Mm -hmm. glass fronts because they want to keep their floors clean. So you can feel and watch for that change in texture and change in color, and hello, that's where the door is. <laughs> right, and it, I mean, people have tile in bathrooms or the, or linoleum in their that's right. kitchens, and you know, so the, these this pattern is just a, you know, it's another way of learning a technique, really. That's right, yeah, and yeah. you have to pay attention to it. You know, exactly. at church, you probably have yep. you know different textures from the narthex to the sanctuary to the to the children's hallway. You mm-hmm. know, yep. And so we point that out to people and, and give them examples they can experience. And it really, I think, helps people to transfer that knowledge and those ideas into their own world. Yeah. The other thing that was important to Esther was having products like you see in the catalogs from all the blindness specialty product providers. Um, and that you see online and that you hear about from people who you know who are also visually impaired. But instead of just reading about them or hearing about them, you can actually see them and yeah, touch, touch them, them and try them for yourself and say, oh, I love that voice on that watch. I really can understand that voice. Or, no, I that 
that's not something I need. I, I, I would never use that, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of a try-before-you-buy kind of concept that we employed here at Esther's Place. And we at AFB don't sell any of the products that we have here. We have them here for demonstration purposes. We give people a product information card so that, let's say, like the nylon lettuce knife we have in the kitchen. It's available at any kitchen store. You you can find one at Bed Bath & Beyond. You probably can even find it at Target. It's a, it's a plastic knife made to cut lettuce, okay? Hmm. And the reason it's plastic is because when you cut up lettuce with a uh, metal knife, the edges rust more quickly, so your lettuce goes bad faster. Well, this nylon lettuce knife will not only cut lettuce, it'll cut chicken and fruit and ribs and sandwiches and anything else you want to cut in your kitchen, except it will not cut you. So if you slip while you're cutting with this knife and it gouges into your hand, you didn't just slice a big old slice in your finger. It may ouch a little bit, but it is not going to break the skin. And so people who have gotten out of the habit of doing things for themselves in the kitchen for fear of cutting themselves can let that fear go and use a nylon knife instead of a metal knife and be safe and yet get back some of their independence, some of their empowerment to do things for themselves. Mm -hmm. So some of the things we have are specifically for people who are blind or visually impaired. They were created by companies who, who provide those kind of products. Like we have an assistive technology showroom filled with video magnifiers, optical character recognition devices, computers with adaptive software on board so that people can sit down and experience it. But some of the products were not designed for specifically for people who are blind or visually impaired, but work very nicely right. like this. Just mainstream line. products. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have a laundry room, a kitchen, a dining room, a living room, a storage closet, a clothing closet, a bathroom, a vanity, a bedroom, <laughs> an office a fun and fitness room, a resource library, and then finally our assistive technology showroom. Now, so I, I noticed that, that some of the products, we, we in ACB, we've been working on, on this problem for a while, that a, a lot of the um, things that are that you can buy now, you know, washing machines, uh, dryers, they're, they're very digital yes. now. Uh, it's becoming really a problem. <laughs> Um, and, and I noticed that you guys were able to locate machines that, that you could make accessible. Are you finding that, that it, that's becoming more difficult in the market? Well, absolutely. The trick is knowing the features to look for when you're shopping. You have to be a wise consumer if you're going to get a machine that's usable. Unfortunately, there are no fully accessible uh, washing machines and dryers and stoves and ovens and right. microwave. Well, there is one uh, fully accessible microwave that talks. That uh, one's but hard a, to find, though. <clears throat> that one's really hard to find. Well, the Magic Chef uh, is not hard to find. The The one that was out several years ago that you could get at Best Buy and Walmart is gone. Unfortunately, the factory where it was produced in Japan was destroyed in the tsunami oh. uh, probably, what, eight, ten years ago? Yeah. You know, the terrible uh -huh. tsunami they yeah. had. So that $89 talking microwave that I have at home still and I, right. I, Many I of love, us do. I love and <laughs> I, I don't want it to, to die because I, I really do like it. 
Um, there's a, a magic chef talking microwave that all the buttons talk, they're all very tactual, but instead of being an $89 microwave, it's a $400 microwave. Right. Yeah, so for a lot of people, it's way out of reach. Exactly. But we want people to know that that's, that's all right. There's still ways to use your microwave, you know? Right. Um, there are microwaves that do still have the analog turn knob, you know, one minute, three minute, five minute. You use a bump dot and you, you put a couple of dots at the times that you use the most. And then, you know, you crank it around. And the trick I tell people is when you're microwaving, never walk away. Stay there. Use your sense of hearing. When it starts popping and crackling, it's probably mm-hmm. getting done. When it starts smelling, it's probably getting done. You should stop and check it, you know? Don't just assume that, yeah, five minutes will be great because you may come back to a burned cinder. Sure. And uh, lots of smoke. But the other thing is, is that using bump dots on some of these digital interfaces with ovens and that type of thing makes them usable. Um, I advise people to not put too many dots. You don't want to put a dot on every last button or you'll never know which button you want. But, you know, put it on the bake and the broil, the ones you use the most. Put it on the up and down temperature. And then make sure when you're buying an appliance like that that you make sure it has audible signals so that when the button is pressed, it it beeps. So you know you really pressed it. And make sure that when it's turned on, it turns back on at a given temperature, not the last temperature used. Mm -hmm. You want it always to go back to 350 when you're in bake mode because how are you possibly going to remember what temperature the oven was the last time you used it. You won't. Exactly. And different oven brands have different features, you know. And we used to do a lot of research in this at AFB Tech. Now Access World, our online technology magazine, is doing a lot of of the reviews of products and and mainstream appliances like that. And um, those are just some some tricks out of some articles you'll find in Access World. If you're going to be shopping, I advise doing some reading about looking for the right features before you, you know, plunk down your money. You know, we were looking at uh, Home Depot and and even a lot of the washing machines and dryers Mm -hmm. now make sounds in, in different pitch as you uh, turn dials and things too. So That's right. they're, they're at least thinking outside the box there now, which is <clears throat> you know, yeah. really good. And, and you want to make sure when you're looking at, at washers and dryers that the knob that you turn to you know, choose the settings isn't an infinite turning knob. Exactly. So there's an endless loop. You never yeah, know where you, you are. you never know where you are. Yeah. And so if you look long and hard, you will find models and brands. And you know, I find that they're not the high-end units. They're the the, you know, kind of starter washers and dryers. But if you really think about it, how often do you use all 12 settings on your washer? Right. You usually use the regular load, you change the temperature for different colors, and you might use a delicate load, but really, do you use all of those others? No. No. No, absolutely (laughs) not. So why pay for them, and especially if the knobs are more accessible and the the dials are are usable by somebody who wants to use them by touch? So I noticed you guys are pretty up-to-date on the technology and the things that are here. You know, you even have the new uh, six-dot electronic brailler, labeler. Yes. So do you find that difficult to maintain, you know, the the latest stuff that's out there or innovations that you see? Or do you not tend to bring that in as as quickly? Or how does that work here? Well, it's quite a challenge, to be honest with you, to make sure that we don't have 
products on display that people who visit here can no longer find to purchase. When something is discontinued, I find out about it usually through one of my volunteers who helps us to maintain the product information cards and that type of thing. Sometimes the fact is that, you know, one person stops carrying it or one company starts stops carrying it, but another company still has, you know, supply. So mm-hmm. we'll change the resource and then we just kind of flag it to keep an eye on that because when it's no longer available, wouldn't it be a shame to show somebody a product and they think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and then you not know, to be able to purchase come it. Come to find out they can't buy it. Yeah, I, that I would, would be that, very disappointing. I would be un, unhappy. Yeah, I would think that would be really hard. I mean, you guys <clears> have <throat> literally hundreds of, of things here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so keeping track of all of that has to be a really monumental effort. Well, it is. Luckily, it's one of those things that I like doing. I've always been intrigued by technology, both low and high tech technology. Since, uh, you know, I entered the field and, and, and when I found out about you know, uh, gizmos and devices when I was a a youngster, you know, I was always excited about trying new things. And I guess that's just carried over. So um, I kind of keep my pulse on it. I read a lot of newsletters. I read a lot of, uh, you know, announcements and that type of thing. And when we have a new product, uh, the first thing I do is reach out to that manufacturer or distributor to see if they would like to display one here on loan sure, to us. Sure, of course. And then if that's not possible, which sometimes it's not, the companies oftentimes are small and they just don't have the yep, the resources, the wherewithal to you know give away their products. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes people are generous with us. And then when they're not, I put it in a, a folder called wish list. And when we have uh, funds available and donations, because uh, AFB is a nonprofit organization. Yep. And so when we have funding available, then I'll, I'll prioritize. And I try to keep a supply of products in a variety of levels of technology expertise, as well as levels of vision, as well as different aspects of life that they can you know help with. Like, for example, in the storage closet area, I have probably six different talking uh, prescription labels because depending on which um, pharmacy you go to, Mm-hmm. They have different offerings of of accessible labels these days. And I want people to know about that because prescription labels, not being able to read your prescription labels is a pretty scary yeah, that's, thing. That's a pretty scary thing, yeah. And getting your medicine mixed up with someone else's oh, or yeah. getting it mixed up with, is this the pill I take twice a day or once a day? And, you know, they all feel the same after a while sure. if you're not, you know, just used to it. And you can even get the same medication from two different manufacturers and all of a sudden your round blue pill is a square orange pill. Right. And how are you going to keep that straight in your head? Well. Having that label accessible is important, uh, and I want to share that with people. And so I have as many of those as I can find I have on display so people can try them and see what works for them. And sometimes it may be a matter of deciding, hey, I need to change pharmacies because that pharmacy offers the kind of accessible label I need. And until you try it, you're not going to know that. Absolutely. So uh, I try to focus on those kinds of areas. Keeping organized is another area. I just learned about a new product yesterday that's this little round thing about the size of a, oh, I don't know, a slider. Just a little round biscuit size thing. And uh, it has a a digital uh, phone book and a digital reminder thing. And we haven't had one of those for that was uh, available on the market for a couple of years no, now. No, it's been a long time since we've had one of those. Exactly. And when when you can't read Braille, 
and right. you can't read large print anymore, and a 2020 pen doesn't work for you, how do you keep up with appointments and phone numbers and those types of things? Hmm. You have to be able to record them. And so I was excited about it. So we'll be getting one of those for the center so people can try it and see if it works for them. Who makes that? Do you know? I don't know, but I will find out. All right. Good. There you go. <clears throat> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed you even displayed Digitize. Oh, here. yes. Yeah, which, which I found really intriguing, you know, because that is an app that just recently got an update for iOS 10. Yes. And it hasn't had an update in a really long time. So a lot of us were wondering, you know, does, is this going to even continue? So Nancy Miracle, of course, is the yes. woman who who started all of that, and we've had her on Main Menu, and and uh, just quite a quite a story about about that product. A fabulous story. Nancy Miracle is local to the Dallas Fort Worth area and is a friend to the center. She has come here when we have done uh, seminars here on iOS as well as on labeling techniques. She has come and demonstrated Digitize, and she's responsible for all those display products and and everything so that, you know, we have a can of tuna, a can of cat food, and a can of, I want to say, like, shrimp, you know? Mm -hmm. And they all feel exactly the same. (laughs) And wouldn't it be a shame to open a can of cat food for your tuna salad if you really don't want to feed the cat right now? And so uh, Digitize is a wonderful tool. And, um, And I love having products like that available for people to try and uh, we do seminars probably four to six a year sometimes more to bring these kind of topics to the people here in the Dallas Fort Worth area Uh, consumers people who have vision loss as well as their family members so their family members need to know what's possible as well and then also for the professionals in this area to make sure that they're on the cutting edge of what's available when when it comes to, like our most recent one was recreation and leisure activities. Because, you know, without, I don't know, recreation and leisure makes life uh, well-rounded. You know, if all you do is work or if you aren't working, you're retired or, or you know, you're just sitting around the house. Without something to do that's enjoyable, life is pretty awful. And so... We wanted people to be exposed to lots of different options for recreational leisure activities, hobbies and crafts and games to play and ways to adapt games that families play. And Absolutely. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I noticed you even had a Samsung television that yes. had voice, you yes. know, that had speech in it. And we, we just became aware in the last few months of, of the lower end models of these products now coming to market. You know, you can get a talking television now for about two two thirty nine, yeah, two forty nine. Yeah, especially if you don't care about the size of the screen. Exactly, yeah, a thirty inch. Right, you know? right. So it, it's uh, it's really neat. That really made me smile when I went in the living room and sat on the couch and someone was playing with the television and they said, "Oh yeah, it's a Samsung." I'm like, "Oh, that's great." Yeah, it was really neat to see that that you know you guys had that here through the generosity of samsung we were able to put that here in the center in a in a large size it's a 48 inch because for a lot of people sure who are losing vision to macular degeneration they still have residual vision they want to use it yeah one of the things they tell me they miss the most is watching tv and so we have our living room arranged so the couch is only about six feet from the television Yes, it was console. very close. Yep. Yes, because one of the ways you can tell what's on TV a whole lot better is if you're straight on with the TV and if you're closer. 
And then the other thing you can do is get a bigger screen if you can afford it. And they are so much less expensive oh, yeah. now than when when they first came out back in the 80s when I had a lot more functional vision and large screen TVs came out. I was just completely enamored with them and wanted one so much, but $6,000 was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> way out of range for a family with two young kids, you know? Exactly. And so, uh, you know, these days, though, a 48-inch TV, I, I want to say the one we have retails for about 900 Yeah. Which is a lot. I'm, I'm not saying I have that pocket change in my back pocket. No, but it's a lot less. But than it's a lot less. Yeah. And it's it's something you can save toward, you know? Absolutely. And and the prices keep coming down, too. They do. You know, they're, they're, it's really neat. And the talking menus do a lot. The accessible entertainment is coming along it still has a ways to go yep um you'll get into the the menus on the talking tv and you'll be able to you know set a lot of the things you need to set but unfortunately sometimes when you get out of the native menu into another menu like netflix for example exactly the speech goes away yeah because so those then, apps are not controlled by Samsung. They're controlled that's right. by, by the other vendor. That's right. Yeah. So then you have to have something that you, when you switch to it, which the talking menus allow you to be able to switch between your sources, then it has to talk like, exactly. um, you know, a, a fire TV or Apple or TV, Apple TV or right. something like that. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it, where there's a will, there's a way. And what's important to people, they'll figure out how to do. And we just love showing them the options that are out there. But but it's true of Apple TV and Xbox and even mm-hmm. Fire TV. You know, uh, there are apps on those devices as well that don't talk either. Mm-hmm. So this isn't specific to Samsung. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So And, and they are really the pioneers in this. And, and the other manufacturers are are going to have to get on board. Uh, they better hurry up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anything uh, manufactured after... December 20th, right? Yes, I think so. Yep, December 20th. Golly, that's just around the corner. Yeah, it's being drilled in our brains here it's, uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, the CVAA. So yes. it's, uh, it's quite uh, quite exciting times right now. And, and a lot of uh, cable television providers are, are stepping up and providing accessible, uh, you know, access to their cable boxes yes uh you know comcast of course was the leader yes and, and now we have uh, cox cable who who bought comcast te- uh, technology so if you're used to uh, comcast and you go to cox it will be almost identical mm-hmm. and uh, lots and lots of private providers are, are stepping up which is exciting exciting times so and those are the providers we uh, i think as consumers uh you know when we can need to support absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to do that. I mean, I I go out of my way even if, even though I may not use an app as often. If they go out of the way to to really make it truly accessible, I'll try to purchase that product mm-hmm. if if it's something that I think that I might use. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like going into a restaurant. You know, when when I go into With a restaurant, menus. even though I know what I'm going to order, I ask for a braille menu. Yep. I want them to know that people need them. Absolutely. You know, and and who knows? In perusing that braille menu, I might find something I want even more because I have the access to the information. Absolutely, yeah. And sometimes I don't even know they have them. You know, right. we went over to Denny's across the street from the hotel, mm-hmm. and the the people there didn't even know there was only one person there that knew they had braille menus. And oh yeah, hold on a second, and they had to go in the back room and 
and get them. <laughs> so it yeah. is a matter of awareness. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. So now all those other people that you encountered that day know about that. Absolutely, yeah. And that's one thing we count on here is word of mouth. You know, being a national nonprofit, we have a a, a marketing budget of a goose egg. You know? Right, exactly. And so we count on people who come here to the center to help us spread the word. To tell people, hey, if you're struggling with your vision, these folks have information you need. So do you have a lot of this information online, too, on the the website? So, for example, if someone were in another state and they wanted to find out what you guys have here, is there a way that they can sort of find out about those products? Or is that, are you relying on Access World for that? Yes, um, there's several ways they can find out about it. On our website, afb.org. Um, if you uh, put a forward slash and type in Esther's Place, E-S-T-H-E-R-S-P-L-A-C-E, um, you'll go to a page where you can take a virtual tour of Esther's Place. And it's uh, a great deal of text and then photos to support the, the light-dependent folks out there who need to mm-hmm. see as well as read about what's, sure. what's here. Um, and then also on AFB.org is our product database. And uh, the product database has um, lots of information about uh, products that are available both for you know, demonstration here at the center and then for purchase online so that an individual can learn a lot about the variety of products, let's say for uh, independence and cooking and bathroom and you know all those kinds of things. Like uh, one of the things somebody was asking me about, you know, there's not a lot of adaptations in the bathroom. You know, what do you do in a bathroom? Well, one of the things we have here is a three-part uh, dispenser that, that goes on the wall in your shower and you put in uh, shampoo in one uh, vessel, conditioner in the other and uh, shower gel in the other and it hangs on the wall so you know you you decide is my shampoo going to be on the right that's the one I'm going to start with so I'm going to start on the right and then you know move to the middle that's the conditioner and on the left is the is the shower gel so you never have bottles to get mixed up which one is the conditioner or the shampoo anyway now definitely you can always put a rubber band on your shampoo but you know what if that pops and somebody takes it off because it's you know not supposed to be there who knows um and so you know there's just little things that again that's one of those things that isn't designed for somebody who's blind but it sure is handy because you're not going to drop that you're just going to reach up and press a button it's going to squirt in your hand and you're not going to be uh stepping on round bottles in the shower while you're I'm just going to say you're not around. stepping on bottles or exactly. having to bend over and pick them up you're not kicking them off, off the, the edge yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> don't you love it when they put those things on the on the edge of the tub at hotels and yeah. Yeah. yeah I I, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sarcasm, yes. Because the, the bar of soap with the paper on it is yes, floating exactly. around in the bottom of the tub. Yes, and I can't exactly. find it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's simple stuff like that. And I noticed that here that you know, a lot of the products, yeah, they were uh, very high tech, but lots of low tech too that you, know, you don't really think about it unless you really you know, see it. It, it really brings up. Yeah, keeping it simple. Simple solutions can make a big difference. Um, One of the things I tell people as I take them through the bathroom and vanity area is I'm pretty sure that whenever I tell a visitor this, my mother rolls over in her grave because our towels don't match. (laughs) Okay? This is like breaking the cardinal rule of bathrooms, right? I don't think ours do either. But the reason <laughs> the reason they don't is because the wall is light. 
so the hand towel that hangs on the hanger on the wall is dark. So it shows up against oh, that white wall. Right. And then the hand towel that's on the hanger that sits on the countertop is light because the countertop is dark. Right. Makes so sense. So if you do the, the alternating contrast, the bathroom rug outside the shower is light because the floor is dark, but the bath towel hanging against the wall is dark because the wall is light. You know, and little things make a big difference. The other interesting thing we do here is we have examples of things not to do as well as things to do. So for example, the comforter on the bed in the bedroom is a paisley, navy blue and white uh, pattern, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not a great idea for someone with low vision. If I get my socks, I don't care whether they're dark or light, out of the drawer when I'm getting ready to, to get dressed, and I lay them down on that paisley bedspread, they're gone. Yeah, you may not find them. They're disappearing, yeah. okay? <laughs> So the navy blue blanket that's folded back would be a better choice for me to lay my things down on because especially if it was white socks, they would show. Mm -hmm. Or if it was dark, then the sheets are light, so I would lay them there. But you have to do that intentionally. You have to think about that. You can't just grab things out of the drawer and dump them on the bed. You have to go, okay, I'm going to put this here and this here, and then I'll be able to find it easier. Instead of spending 10 minutes feeling around, I've knocked it on the floor anyway, it's gone, you know. And my frustration level goes up when I'm trying to get ready to go to work. Yeah, you're running and I'm late. on a time yeah, schedule. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What I liked here is that you're just not showcasing products, you're showcasing life. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's not about, you know, look at all these cool things you can buy. It's it's how do they fit in the paradigm of, of one's real life. So it was really neat to see how you sort of mixed all that in as you walked around the virtual home. Right. You know? Well, and that's our reasoning behind it is that we have to help people realize the possibilities for their life Mm -hmm. before they're going to do the things that they need to do to adjust to vision loss. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and even for someone who's lived with vision loss all their lives, they're, you know, completely adjusted. There's things here for them, too. There's concepts that they haven't ever thought about there's needs they they haven't ever tried to meet because they didn't think it was doable and so we try to address every you know visitors direct needs we talk with them about what you're most interested what are you struggling with right you know what do you want to accomplish when you leave here what would you like to walk away with and we're going to try really hard to help them achieve that even if we don't have the information here we'll connect them with the information through another service provider we don't do any direct training like you can't come here and learn to cook Right. But if the vocational rehabilitation teacher you're working with through the state agency wants to come here and use our center to help you learn to cook, we will arrange that. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Absolutely. And we do um, the seminars and, and workshops here, you know, for groups. I guess you could call that a kind of a direct training because we do teach people about techniques and that type of thing. But for that one-on-one training, we refer people to the direct service providers that are out there, the Lighthouse, the Independent Living Center, the state agencies, the Easter Seals, you know, of North Texas, those types of folks who who provide that kind of one-on-one hands-on. But think about all those resources we probably have in our resource library, probably 200 
you know, pieces of literature to share with people about service providers and resources Mm -hmm. nationwide as well as local. Like, you know, somebody wants to learn how to to read Braille, we're going to we're going to tell them about Hadley. And if somebody's looking for support groups and connection with other people who are blind, we're going to tell them about the membership organizations like ACB. We have those pamphlets to give to people so they can walk away with it, because how would they ever find that in the phone book? I wouldn't. And you have a store. Yes, we do. We rent an office to an organization, a company here in uh, Texas, Crystal Vision, and they have a four low vision store. It's the number four low vision. And uh, they have, uh, oh, probably, I would say 100 products maybe for sale. And some of them are uh, not what we have in Esther's Place yet, but we're working on it. And then some of them are. And the nice thing is, is as people go through Esther's Place, when they see a blue card with the product information, they know that's available in the store. And the other cards are printed on white cardstock, so they know that oh, okay. For Low Vision will help them order those things. Sure. Because a lot of people who come here, you know, they're not internet users yet. No. Uh, they may never have been, and they may never be, yeah. because they may be in their 70s or 80s, and right. learning to use a computer is not anything they're interested no. and, in. And they can pick up products right in that little store. I mean, they have right. stuff right on the wall there you could, you know, pick up and walk out with and exactly. pay for it and take it home. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's handy. I mean, where do you, where do you go? Not many not many cities in this country have that. And it, well, no. it was definitely needed here there, in Dallas. We it, had a small one for a while, you know, at one of the low vision stores, but what they carry, you know, varies pretty widely and it may may or may not be what you're looking for. Well, there were lots of people here during the Google training that went over there and bought products. Mm-hmm. You know, clocks and watches and canes and Yeah, I'm I'm one of their best customers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, lose a cane tip, you know, all that kind of stuff. So where do you see the future of Esther's Place? And where do you see, if you were to look into your crystal ball and see where you you thought independent living or or, or products in this space were, were going to head have you given any thought to that? We have, and it's interesting that you ask that because right now AFB is going through a strategic planning process where we're really looking at what are we going to focus on. So I'll be able to answer that question better in about six months. <laughs> um, but in my dreams, we will be adding a display area in Esther's place. We'll be doing some rearranging so that we have a children's room because there are lots of parents of blind and visually impaired children, as well as blind and visually impaired parents who have sighted children, who I think would like to see examples of how they can adapt their environment and the kinds of products that are out there to help stimulate their, their blind or visually impaired child to use all of their senses to encounter their world and, and to be as active and as social as they possibly can be. And so um, that's in our dreams. If funding would come our way, we would like to expand our assistive technology showroom to include uh, a place where a trainer could come in and work with a student in our center and be able to share, you know, the, the wealth of assistive technology that's out there. Because, uh, you know, access to the world of electronics is really going to be important to the future. And it's leveling the playing field in so many ways for those of us who are blind or visually impaired. And even for seniors, I want to see technology brought into their lives in as many ways as they will allow. 
uh, in the next 10 to 20 years that use of technology is going to be demanded. Because, oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm 60. Probably and 5 been, to 10, actually. Yeah, maybe. I'm 60, and I've been using computers for 30-plus years. Well, they're not, it's not going to stop as I get no, older. No. And that's how other people are going to be that are my age group that have lived their lives sighted, but later in life lose their vision. They're not going to give up using their computers and using their mobile devices. Yeah. So I would love to have more of a presence in that arena locally and then also to be able to you know to do videos and and share it via the web yeah i think that you might want to look at you know connected home too yes you know yes we talked about that this week and i do want to do that and because that's i think the future is always being connected you know whether you're out and about or you're at home being able to have constant access to things uh, would be really interesting to to put you know an echo or you know and, and all the companies are going to have these things. Even, you know, there's talk of Microsoft coming out with a cube. Okay. Yeah, we talked about Google Home. Yep. And I, I and that's the neat thing is is we have the facility here to be able to put the Echo in one room, the Google Home in another room, and the cube in another room and show examples mm-hmm. of how that can be connected in a person's life. Yeah. You know? Yes, that is definitely on my plans. Well, because it can be used for so many, so many things. Shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, I need toilet paper. You know, okay, and it will come the next day to your house. Right. And uh, so that would be kind of a neat thing to to showcase here, too. Well, and I think some of the times when people visit us, uh, we can take away some of the fear of technology because they get to they get to try it and experience it. And all of our docents are blind or visually impaired, and so they can see someone who is like them using this technology. It helps them to see themselves using it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the, and the neat thing is they really can get their hands on all of these different products and play with them and, and try them. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's really neat. That's right. Nothing's packed in its box. It's not on a shelf in its packaging. So you can try it and play with it. We encourage it. And the lovely thing is, is we have no eligibility criteria. We have no application process. No. And people can come back as often as they need to to get the information they want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you very, very much for your time today. This has been quite a week for me personally, and uh, it was really neat. To, I didn't even know Esther's place was here when, when we came, so it was quite uh, great to get a tour of that and to, to learn more about it here sitting with you uh, this morning. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, and if your listeners need more information, they can contact me by phone at 214 438 5316. They can email me at Neva, spelled N as in Nancy, E as in Edward, V as in Victor, A as in Apple, at AFB for American Foundation for the Blind dot net. And the website again, if they want to find out more about Esther's Place? AFB.org forward slash Esther's Place. All right, Neva, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Jeff. Hi, everyone. It's Janine, and it's the holiday season. However, this post could go for just about any season if you like to buy things for yourself and accessorize your amazing Apple products. Now, I know that many people are or may be new Apple Watch owners, and whether you have the first-generation Apple Watch that you bought on the cheap because everybody's getting the new one, or whether you have the Watch 2 amazing new Apple Watch, this advice is all going to be the same. 
we're going to talk watch bands because the really fun part of having an Apple Watch is being able to switch out those watch bands. Yeah. So let's talk about replacement watch bands or changeable watch bands. Replacement to me sounds like uh, it's broken. <laughs> and, and I think it would take a lot to break an Apple Watch band. So let's talk first about the bands that are available from Apple. Your watch, unless you ordered a different band, probably shipped with a sport band. And these sport bands are made of something called fluoroelastium, I believe is, is uh, the name of this material. It's sort of like a silicone rubber. It's very comfortable, fairly except um, I have found, and so have others, although I like my sport band, I don't wear it all the time anymore because they tend to smell after a while. They just have just a weird, you know, if you, especially if you wear it, you know, when you're sweating or in hot weather or something like that, they get a kind of a funny smell. And I wipe them off with a little Purell and, you know, that takes care of it. The Apple Sport Bands come in a variety of colors. They are all right now those single colors. One thing about the sports bands is the closure. It is called a pin and tuck closure. And on one side of the band is a little raised circle, like a little pin, literally a pinhead. On the other strap, you will find a, a bunch of holes. So what you do is you take the pin closure, you get it to the hole that you want, and you put the pin closure through the hole, and you pull that strap in so that instead of having a strap sticking out that has the holes that you didn't use, that strap is put through a little slot in the band and goes on the inside of your wrist, which is actually really nice because it keeps it out of the way. And it is a very clean look. And that is for the sport band. That's called a pin and tuck closure. The next type of band is a band with a buckle, a traditional looking watch band. And these bands come in leather, they come in nylon, which is an inexpensive alternative. The nylon watch bands from Apple cost the same as the sport bands, around $49. The nylon bands have a really different weave. When you think nylon, you think, Ooh, that's like backpack straps. No, no. These are actually a very dense weave. If you get a two-color one, it's got a lot of uh, design in it. The pearl one has even more design in it. There are colors that go through that one, and it's very pretty. I like that one. That's the one that I have. And I really like the feel of the nylon bands. They don't fray as much as I thought they would. Um, occasionally, they will get frayed around the holes if you have, you know, difficulty buckling it. I'm not a fan of the, the style of the buckle. Um, uh, the mechanical workings of the buckle are fine. I just don't like the style of it myself, but that's my own personal taste. I have a buckle band right now on my watch that is a third-party band, and it is leopard skin. <laughs> the Apple Watch nylon bands are basically colors and color combinations. I believe they have a blue and gold, red and gold, etc. And then the single colors. And they're a very nice textured band. They're informal, but not, you know, super informal. Not as informal as the sport bands. Then you have the leather bands from Apple. And now we're getting up into the expensive bands and things like the Hermes bands or Hermes, I guess is how you say it. I'm going to go on the cheap but yet sturdy and reliable here. 
Then we have bracelets, and there are two types of bracelets. The thing about a bracelet is that it's all in one piece. So it either will expand to allow your wrist to go in, like a lot of the Braille watches. Uh, you know, if you, you've got that little expandable band so it pulls out a little bit, you can fit your wrist in. Or it is a single strap that wraps around itself with a magnetic closure. And we'll start with the link bracelet first. Link bracelets are the type of thing that you would find on, say, a, a regular Braille watch. And each of those little pieces is called a link. Apple sells uh, several types of these. Well, actually, one type, but several colors of the link bracelet. And now you're going into the 100, 100 plus range in terms of price. And so we'll stop with the link bracelets. <laughs> and actually, I believe the link bracelet is a bit more than our final option here, which is the Milanese loop. Now, the Milanese loop is a woven metal mesh. It has just a really, really attractive feel to it. I love the feel of, of this metal woven mesh. At first, I wasn't crazy about it, but Apple has this band right now in two colors, I believe. Uh, they may be bringing out more, but right now they have it in silver and they have it in black. I have the silver one uh, directly from Apple, and then I have some third-party black ones. So, we have our Milanese loops, and the way that these attach is um, you're going to attach them in the way that you want the strap to wrap around itself. And I'll explain that here when we get to, you know, fastening and, and actually putting on the Milanese loop. And so play with it a little bit and make sure that you get it, get the lugs on the right ends so that that strap can wrap around itself. I have the magnet on the outside. I have seen some people who put the magnet on the inside of the watch. The Milanese loops hold up pretty well. I think most of them are, even the third-party bands are specially treated to resist scratches. So now let's talk about third-party bands. Third-party items are what they are. Usually they're much less expensive. Sometimes they are not made as well or they are a little different and this is even true for the high end there are high end knockoffs and you can tell they're knockoffs if you look at the underside of the band now my leopard skin band that i have here with a buckle is um it's a third party band i found it on amazon and uh, i'm i'm not remembering the company that i bought it from at the moment i think it's a vtech band i believe but if you look up leopard skin 38 millimeter apple watch band you'll find it <laughs> It will be there. They're uh, leopard print, not leopard skin. That would be, yeah. Anyway, um, this particular band is a buckle. It, when I bought it, it was really stiff. And it's that nylon fake leather on the one side. It is the same thickness as the Apple nylon band. It honestly is a little too big for this watch. I wish they had narrowed it a bit. It looks like it's the same strap that they would use on a 42 millimeter watch. So that's the other thing, is knowing the band and how it's going to look, because the lugs are all gonna be the same for the size watch you get. But then the size and thickness of the band itself, 
that attaches to the lug is going to matter. The inner side of the band is that nice fake Nagahide leather stuff. The outer side is like a brushed nylon material, and that's got the leopard print on it, which is kind of fun. I like the feel of that. That's a nice, um, that's the, the plus part of the band. I also love the design of the buckle. It's a beveled edge silver buckle, and it looks very apple-y. Then my other bands, I have Sport and Milanese loop bands, uh, along with my, my nylon buckle band, and I just bought some more Sport bands. And I chose, based on an article in, uh, on the iMore website, the Moco Sport Band. They come in a huge range of colors and designs. Um, I think there were like 38 different colors, which was pretty exciting. And uh, so there is something in there for everybody. I have a green one, which is a medium green. I also have a mint green apple band. Well, it's sort of a lime green, actually, apple uh, sport band. And I have a black apple sport band that came with my watch. But I have the green one, and I have a, an American flag one that I can wear, you know, 4th of July and just fun, fun times. They have a really wide range. They have things like walnut and uh, grapefruit and uh, just all kinds of crazy colors, which is a lot of fun. And then I have a couple of Milanese loop bands. And I got these in colors because, hey, they came in colors. <laughs> And I got them from VTech, and you want to look under V-T-E-Y-E-S, so V-T-I's, basically, on Amazon. And I got these things on Amazon. These were all under $20, and most of them were under $15, which compared to $149 for the Apple Milanese Loop, yay! So I have a black Milanese Loop, which is quite stunning. That's my dress band. I love that thing. Uh, I have a silver 38 millimeter stainless steel watch. So this is what goes with it. Then I have a blue Milanese loop band, which is, I, I haven't really had anybody describe the shade of blue yet. So I can't tell you that. But then I also have a, what's called a colorful Milanese loop band. And it's got a pattern of three or four different colors in it. Again, I haven't had anybody describe it, but it sounds pretty you know, pretty interesting. And the, the review on iMore was that the patterns were very compelling. Then I have one that is camouflage and white. And again, very compelling kind of pattern. And that's more informal, but when I actually want to wear a Milanese loop. The best thing about the Milanese loop bands is that you can adjust them exactly to your wrist. Now they will give a little bit during the day. I have found that the third party magnets on the bands are just like oh, a tiny, tiny bit wider than the band, unlike the Apple one, which uh, is the exact width of the band. So that's how, you know, really, really intense people can tell that they're third-party bands. But honestly, the third-party bands, the magnets seem to stick better. Really, these are really high-quality bands. The lugs feel very sturdy. They feel like they're not going to come loose. They're not too small. They're not too big. Um, they fit quite nicely. And so don't be afraid to get a third-party band. Well, I hope that you have fun considering shopping for a new Apple Watch band. And uh, let us know about it here on Main Menu. This has been Janine and my Apple Watch. Main Menu is a program brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. 
It airs every Friday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream and repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can catch it using any internet-connected device, listen with ACB Link for iOS, grab it as a podcast, or call 605-475-8130 at airtime. Do you have any ideas for upcoming content, or perhaps you've recorded your own demo of a piece of technology you'd like aired? Please feel free to contact us at mainmenu at acbradio.org or reach out to us on Twitter at mainmenu. Let me grab my sleigh bells. On behalf of all of us on the ACB Radio Main Menu team, happy holidays. 